0: Hey there, this is Tom with A Daily Walk from rwalkinchrist.com. So today I want to talk about the sacred versus secular split. Uh, this is something that uh, it, it has come up in in uh, an autobiography I, I recently read uh, from a popular artist who also is a Christian. And uh, I really wanted to talk about that, because some of the things that he said near the the end of his book, talking about what he does in, in his ministry and whatnot, is uh, it's quite fascinating, and it's certainly things that I have thought of and have uh, talked about before and written about before. So the sacred and secular split. What is this? Um, this is essentially defined as uh, a situation where we look at the Uh, the world around us, particularly you see this in a lot of Christian circles, and inside of the Christian circles, what you start to see is um, uh, you start to see people looking around at what music they're listening to, and oh this is Christian music, and this is not Christian music, and so we want to be so focused on the Christian music versus the secular music. Of course, the uh, idea is one that the Christian music is good and will bring you closer to Christ, and the non-Christian music is, is just evil or, at the very least, not profitable. And so the idea is, and it's taught in many churches, and many situations and circumstances, and in reality, it's, it's something worthy of consideration. Because if we spend our days listening to music, watching movies that glorify the sins that Christ died for, we have a certain problem. But if we spend all of our time only and exclusively uh, partaking in Christianized versions of culture, then we become so disconnected from the culture that we cannot reach anybody. And this was the point that was brought up. And the book I was reading was, um, it was uh, Unashamed by Lecrae, um, which, uh, very new, either biography, autobiography, I'd probably say autobiography written with someone else. It's um, about his life story and how he got into uh, the Christian hip-hop scene and what that uh, resulted in his life. And, uh, basically what happened in his story is, um, he came from this this background that that had a lot of drugs and a lot of violence. Um, he had um, not direct gang affiliation but a little bit of indirect gang um, associations, a lot of crime um, uh, a lot of you know not really good situations and He came out of all of that and eventually in college, uh, becoming a Christian, like a lot of people in modern America where We sit back and we go to some uh, powerfully, emotionally powerful Christian conference or whatever. We hear some guy preach the gospel and we accept Jesus. And then we go on what he describes as his God high, where, you know, he's over religious and whatever else. And then he just describes how he just falls right back in his old life. And that's really another problem. Uh, Maybe we'll discuss that another time in the future. Uh, But with that... um, uh, what he started talking about at the end, now he, he became a Christian, got himself uh, theologically grounded, um, educationally grounded, really cleaned up his heart, cleaned up his life, cleaned everything up, all that. And then what he ended up doing is, um, you know, because rap and hip-hop was a huge part of the culture where, where he was growing up, not um, uh, unlike many um, young black inner city people uh, that's what his culture was and so he learned to rap at an early age and uh, he was um, he considered some artists like Tupac and, and Beastie Boys uh, and, and a few others as his idols growing up and so you know, he learned how to rap at an early age well, when he became a Christian, he he really started adding positive messages and and godly messages into the songs that he was rapping about, and so he started doing um, a lot of Christian hip hop and a lot of Christian rap. A lot of it was just to reach the inner city kids in ministry projects he's working on. Um, in fact, the entire uh, concept of his uh, you know of his uh, modern day popular art was that very thing: is going out and. Uh, rapping for inner city kids. And uh, yeah, so he became this big, clean, sacred Christian rapper and started doing a lot of concerts, almost entirely uh, Christian causes, things like that. And then what ended up happening is he came to this point when he realized that all of his rap and all of his uh, art was all Christian stuff written By a Christian for Christians. And so what ended up happening in his life is he realized that he really wasn't reaching anyone outside of the occasional uh, person. But for the most part, he realized he wasn't making the impact he thought that he should have made. And um, so then what he did is he started uh, getting involved in groups with You know, the more contemporary rappers, which uh, generally are not quite as biblically based for certain, Um, many of them are not morally based, um, such as like Kendrick Lamar being one of them, um, fabulous life lessons uh, behind a lot of vulgarity. And so, you know, the... A lot of people can't get past the vulgarity to think about the real message that uh, Lamar's trying to teach. And then he got involved in some other groups, you know, next to some other groups, I should say, that were um, definitely not even really doing any good messages at all. But what he realized is that by going out and rapping with those people, he can gain a following by which to share his message with. And a lot of Christians really didn't like that move that he did and criticized him, and he got hate mail from Christians, and all this kind of stuff. The fact of the matter is, that's exactly what Lecrae did, is exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Um, so in uh, Luke 5, we read about the calling of Matthew, or Levi, uh, as many translations will write it. And the calling of Matthew is directly... And specifically, he goes into Matthew, who's a tax collector. So the tax collectors at the time, these guys are like the lowest of the low. Um, they were considered traitors because they were collecting tax money um, uh, for the Romans against, you know, against their, their Jewish brothers and sisters for the Romans and giving that money to the Romans. Of course, that was the taxes. Now, what a tax collectors would generally do is they collected what they needed to And then they collect anything else. And anything else was theirs as extra profit. So, you know, they got their small wage. Then they got the extra that they got. They had to turn around and give some of it to the Roman government. So these, in general, were very wealthy people. But they were considered wealthy by taking advantage of some of the poor in in, uh, the areas where they were collecting their taxes. So these people were ranked right in society, in the Jewish society, with the prostitutes, and with the other general sinners, maybe the rebellious, maybe the criminals, maybe the thieves, right in that group of people were the tax collectors. So we read in Matthew, or excuse me, uh, Luke 5, we read that Jesus goes up to his tax collector's booth and says, come follow me. And then the very next thing we read is that Matthew is throwing Jesus a party, a reception, as it were, at his house. So do you think that he invited all of the the clean cut christians and the um, the Pharisees and, and the scribes and, and, and the upper class of the society absolutely not he actually invited the tax collectors and the sinners which would have included thieves revolutionaries prostitutes all sorts of people so he's having this party here's Jesus having this party <sighs> And all the Pharisees come in. They don't want to question him directly. They've seen what happens when they question him. They question the disciples. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, Jesus, hearing this, he says, it is not the healthy that need the physician but the sick. And that's a very fascinating thing because Jesus was not not compromising uh, his morality by eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. He wasn't doing that. In fact, he was reaching them. And that's kind of what we're called to do. So the boundary here is we don't want to engage, like we want to engage the culture. We don't want to start looking like it. So if we want, if, if, if we've come out of these gang styles and we are, already have these tattoos all over our body, fine. That, I think, would qualify under what Paul tells us about. But don't, um, you know, uh, excuse me, Paul tells us about by saying, you know, as you are called, don't seek to change it. Just keep doing what you're doing as for God. And uh, in that, what happens is, you know. You're supposed to just keep on moving the directions we're going. Maybe God moves you in some different ways. Obviously, you know, if you're a prostitute, you come to Christ. You know, we're having sex for God's glory. Uh, Not exactly the time to preach the gospel. (laughs) But beyond that, um, and beyond those clear absolute sins, uh, Lecrae decided to continue to rap. And as he raps, he made the decision that instead of just rapping to the Christian community that already knew him, he was going to rap to the world at whole with messages that were positive instead of the usual messages that were negative. And so, again, that's what we're supposed to do. We don't have to totally avoid all of the secular-looking things. Just remember that model from Jesus with Matthew. Matthew throws this party. In this party are tax collectors and sinners. Jesus didn't go out and say... Oh, I can't go to your party, Matthew. There's people there that I shouldn't be associating with. Now, involved in all of that, we cannot break apart the Christian life into this secular group here and this sacred group there where the music we start to listen to is only Christian and the friends we start associating with are only Christian and the places we go are only Christian. When we start doing that, we are separating ourselves from the world in a way that God has never intended. Because the question becomes, whom now are we reaching? And if our task as Christians is to go out and preach the gospel and love the world, we don't exactly get that done if we are creating this own subculture that other people are afraid to attend. So part one of that sacred secular split, we don't want to keep ourselves involved in this tiny Christian little bubble. That's not what God intended. Now, on the other side of the coin, we don't get so far submersed in the culture that we look exactly the same. So if you are going out doing all the crazy rap stuff and doing all the crazy whatever stuff and you're still drinking and you're still doing drugs and you're still engaged in the debauchery present in a lot of that culture... You're not contributing to the Christian world. In fact, when you do that and you say you're a Christian, you are actually now uh, you are actually now blaspheming because you're calling you're making yourself a hypocrite. You're making yourself look like you're not really uh, not really saved, and then you end up creating this powerless God. But Lecrae, what Lecrae does that he talks about in his book is. He'll go out to those places, he'll rap with those guys, but he's not out doing the drugs, he's not out partying. And he doesn't have lyrics that are, you know, promoting those types of things. He actually is doing lyrics with a good positive result. Now, I think on the other hand, I think that the, uh, the popularity of hip hop spreading increases the amount of uh, generally, not very positively influential bands coming our way. Um, But at least he's out there reaching this community that is already engaged in that. So, sacred-secular split. We don't want to be so focused on only being Christian. But we don't want to be so immersed in the culture. The culture can't tell the difference because then we become hypocrites. So that's the balance we need to strike between the sacred and the secular. This has been Tom with a Daily Walk, ourwalkinchrist.com. Thank you for tuning in.